Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Walter's World, the podcast series from Astadia. My name is Walter Sweat, and I'm the Astadia CTO. And we'd love to have these podcasts uh, where we get to introduce industry leaders uh, who know about the mainframe migration space. And today, I'm delighted to have Chris Williamson, who is the field CTO for one of our premier partners, FNTS, with us. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Walter. How are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. How about yourself? Very good, thanks. Very well. Good, good. Chris, for the uh, audience members who may not have heard of FNTS yet, could you tell me a little bit about your organization and what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so FNTS is a multi-cloud uh, managed service provider. Uh, we're based in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, and our offices are, and our DCs and our staff are all based here in the U.S. Uh, we have several data centers around the upper Midwest. Um, our clients are typically kind of upper mid-market clients, um, firms like Maui Gym and Pacific Life Insurance or Mercury Marine are, are kind of indicative of, of some of our clients. Uh, let's see, we've been in business for about 25 years. We're owned uh, by First National Nebraska, which is a, uh, a, a large privately held bank here in the U.S. Um, our services we um, provide are really kind of across kind of three pillars of three cloud platforms. Uh, around uh, public cloud through our partnership uh, with Microsoft, where we manage our clients' Azure and O365 assets. Uh, private cloud that we deliver through our own data centers uh, based on our Dell and VMware uh, and Palo Alto technologies, among a few others. Uh, and we also provide mainframe as a service, i-series, AS400 power systems as a service, uh, as well as a DR and backup as a service through you know, our IBM partnership. Um, uh, we also uh, provide managed security services kind of across all of our, our cloud platforms. So that's just a, a little bit about you know, who we are and what we do. Well, that's great. I mean, it sounds like you're able to help customers in many ways across a broad, a broad spectrum then. Yeah. Yeah, that's the idea. Um, are there any particular industries in which FNTS finds itself involved most often, Chris? Um, well, we have, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a wide range of clients, whether it be, you know, retail, you know, our manufacturing, you know, some state agencies, um, but we seem to have, um, you know, depth in financial services and healthcare, particularly, I think part in, in part to, you know, our legacy and our banking history you know, from our parent company, uh, just kind of how we operate and secure workloads and stuff. So that's, that seems to be where we've had uh, you know, a lot of our depth. Okay, great. And Chris, I know we had a chance to talk a little bit before we started the podcast today, and I was fascinated to hear about your personal background and the industries in which you work. I think the uh, the audience would love to get a chance to learn a little bit about what you've done over your career. Sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been, as they say, it's been a long, strange trip. I've been, <laughs> in, uh, been IT for, for over 30 years in, in a, a wide range of roles from development, development to network engineering to administration, wide range of, wide range of industries, including media and manufacturing and retail, from uh, Fortune 500s on the big end to startups on the small end. Um, I've spent kind of the back half, I guess, of my career as a CIO and a CTO, so on the kind of the customer side of the fence uh, before coming to um, FNTS two years ago, and most recently was an, an interim CIO and a strategy consultant working with clients that were kind of looking to transform, modernize, and just kind of stabilize the shit. Um, and, and in fact, one of my roles as a CTO, I was a, an FNTS customer. So I guess now I'm kind of eating my own dog food, kind of work for the company. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, Chris, from the perspective of your clients, 
could you share with us what you see driving their modernization efforts? What is it about modernization now that is even more important to them than perhaps what was five years ago? It, yeah, it, it has been a bit of a shift. Um, but I will say, you know, it's kind of a variety of factors, um, you know, and each client is, you know, a, a little different in terms of what they're really looking for from an outcome, a modernization outcome. But, you know, obviously cost is a big factor, as it always is. Um, but particularly, you know, capital avoidance, a lot of clients are, are trying to avoid that next big refresh uh, cycle, you know, and try and, um, you know, optimize, you know, how they're delivering technology, their organizations. It's also, you know, partly a, a capability aspect to that. After the last couple of years, um, you know, IT is really being uh, pressed to deliver new capabilities that they, 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 ha they haven't even more quickly than before. Uh, you know, and that, you know, and then the, the other kind of byproduct of that is around agility, how quickly they can do those things, which is, you know, related to their staff skill and where they are from a maturity standpoint and the degree that they can automate and replicate, you know, delivering technologies quickly. Um, you know, and then uh, I guess the other factor too is just um, how many of our clients are, are really following a multi-cloud strategy now trying to put the right workloads in the right uh, cloud, no matter what that is. So that's, this is really kind of the, the, the scope of drivers that we're seeing for modernization. That makes sense. And could you kind of describe for us how FNTS has responded to, to these customer needs? Have, has your business changed? Has, have you had to, you know, consider different alternatives or is it through partnerships or what has been your model? Yeah, you know, I, I think like a lot of um, a lot of businesses, we've been really trying to um, uh, to do some 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 very active listening to our, our customer client base. So I interact mostly with our you know our client leadership at the at the senior level, and I think over the last several years, and what we've kind of tailored our strategy to is their move to a kind of a multi cloud strategy, putting the right workloads in the right place, and really trying to help them. Um, move to um, uh, simplify um, their IT delivery uh, to get cost effectiveness and to really leverage the way that we can, you know, deliver technologies at scale. So we've really tried to align ourselves with those customer our wishes to, you know, uh, move to consumption model and, and really tap the, the power of cloud, you know, for the the things that that, that matter most to them. Makes sense. Talking about cloud, it's uh, it's been fascinating for me over the years to see the adoption or the willingness for adoption of the cloud um, and that it has become so integral to what people are looking to do now. And going along with that, um, the size of the companies that are, are now looking at the cloud has changed. Have you seen the same thing that over the years that different sized companies are now willing to consider that cloud as a modernization alternative for them than you would have seen five years ago? It, yeah, it has. And it, it's interesting because I, I think where we've kind of seen the growth too is really kind of on both ends of the spectrum too. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, smaller shops kind of looking to, to really, you know, either really tightly optimize what they're doing on the mainframe, you know, or, or maybe set a path to try and get off, you know, entirely. Um, whereas, you know, you know, with larger shops in some cases, they're really trying to, 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 to drive out and lead the charge with a multi-cloud strategy with putting, you know, core workloads on mainframe, but tightly optimized, um, you know, and then moving other workloads to, um, 
to, to public or private cloud, you know, in a very um, kind of cohesive architecture, right? So, so it's interesting because we're seeing movement on both, both ends in terms of, um, you know, the size of organizations that are trying to modernize. That's a good point. Um, and as I look at both FNTS and Estadi, I think, you know, we're both companies that want to earn that trusted advisor status. You know, people expect us to kind of know what to expect as they look at these efforts. What are some of the challenges that companies with whom you've spoken, you know, need to be aware of or can expect uh, or need to evaluate as they look at uh, migration and mainframe alternatives? Well, you know, you know, as, as, as Walter, I know you, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated, right? Any kind of <laughs> yes. effort is a, is a complicated thing, which is part of the reason um, uh, that, that clients really need a, a, a very um, uh, clear case for change, right? To, to, to change what they're doing and to try and move in that direction. Um, and in many cases, you've got platforms and apps that have been in place for a very long time, kind of in their associated business processes, and that's very hard for people to, to organizations to change. Um, it's 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 hard to uproot those, especially you know the organizational change that kind of comes with it. But I think that the the business cases are kind of kind of getting more and more compelling, and I think the state of the art has changed too. With you know certainly with what you guys are doing in Stadia is a great example of that. What about if I could ask? Um, and this is something that we see all the time, and I'm wondering if you do the same. We talk to companies who say one of their biggest concerns is that they're losing their staff. They're, they're retiring, they're moving on. After COVID, many of them didn't want to come back. You know, they said yeah. this was a great time to, to move on. Is that a, a problem that you think is uh, pretty consistent in the marketplace today? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's almost inevitably a topic. Every CIO or CTO that I talk with, it's inevitably, at some point, the conversation comes around to, well, gosh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for a cloud engineer, or we're looking for, you know, mainframe system programmers, or, you know, there's, there's just an enormous amount of pressure on technology providers to keep the boat filled with folks that have the skill sets they need. So that's kind of one of the biggest factors, and particularly in, in the last couple of years with the amount of change, it's really kind of put even more pressure on them. Um, you know, so our clients tend to come to us to try and leverage our team, our experience, instead of trying to build that themselves and, and try and get that um, immediate cost effectiveness of having an in-place team that can, can migrate and operate their workloads in you know, a multiple different clouds uh, you know, at scale, because that's kind of you know, what, we're, what we're doing for folks. It makes sense. You know, people talk about the, the death of the COBOL programmer that you can't find them. Finding a systems programmer, uh, an established, well-versed systems programmer, terrible. Finding someone who knows Model 204 or any of the other technologies that are out there. It truly is a challenge that people get caught in that, what I call technological debt, where they were great choices at the time. Things worked very well for them but many people feel trapped. So having an organization like yours who can, whether it's those particular technologies or in general, being able to provide the environment and the personnel who know how to make things happen is, is critically important. Yeah, and it's interesting too. I had a conversation not too long ago with a CIO that um, 
had come out of a, a, a meeting with their board of directors not too long ago, and and one of their chief concerns was was really just the 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 inherent risk of not having the resources necessary to operate, you know, their 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 bread and butter systems, you know, and and that really was the focal point for them was not just the you know the the cost or the complexity, but just the you know the, the ongoing risk and how do we de-risk you know our operations you know going forward. The beauty of the mainframe, in my opinion, is has always been that it is so risk averse. It's a risk averse choice for people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to have something that continues that risk aversion is critically important. Well, I think it's kind of lulled a lot of organizations to sleep too. I mean, the mainframe kind of hums away processing <laughs> trans- transactions year after year, but then if the the folks that are Carrying, carrying and feeding for it are, are not there, you know, then, then things are, 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 are not, uh, are, are getting kind of risky. It, it can be indeed. Chris, I can't tell you the number of times when we've done an assessment for an organization and they'll say, no, we have no assembler. And you start looking inside of the applications and sure enough, there's a little assembler application that George wrote 40 years ago and George is now retired. No one even knows it's still there. But it just, yeah. hum, as you say, hums along beautifully. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of what you know organizations have struggled with in their in their cloud migration is really kind of, you know, being able to envision that 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 full transformation from going in and assessing those those workloads to getting them into a steady state you know cloud environment that that is you know cost effective and and agile for them going forward right that's it's hard for them to kind of wrap their head around all the things that go from soup to nuts yeah and you have to account for them all one of the things that i know i'm really excited about our company's partnership is that we have that experience jointly together to to say look it's it's more than just converting code and data you have to account for everything that's running on the mainframe and you have to have a solution and an environment in which it can run with that same level of risk aversion and performance and uh, safety. So um, right. we hope that this you know, really is a benefit for all of our customers. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I want to go back to the cloud uh, again for a second, if you don't mind. Do you yeah. find more companies now who, who want to consider cloud the first choice as they look at alternatives, as opposed to before, it's like, well, cloud might be a ticky mark, I'm interested, but now it has become the de facto choice of people. Is that something you see? Uh, yeah, to a degree, but it's interesting because to some degree, the, the pendulum has swung, maybe not back completely the other way, but a little bit back in the other direction too. Whereas a few years ago, I think there was a, a, a rush from a lot of organizations to try and push all their assets to cloud kind of immediately, um, you know, whether whether they were a good fit or not. And I think what we've seen in our business is a number of organizations that have, have kind of taken a step back and rethought exactly what is the best, mm-hmm. best environment for a, a given workload, whether that's a mainframe workload or an open systems workload. Is it public cloud? Is it private cloud? Does it, can it, can it stay in place maybe on a different, platform but more optimized so i think there's a lot more um selectiveness in terms of what's going to cloud but i think there's still a a a significant amount of of interest and energy going to to public and private cloud for sure i'm glad you brought that up and and i agree cloud is wonderful but it's not a panacea i think it's really important for organizations to see what is right 
for their environment. And there are no two that are exactly the same. And to analyze what gives them the best results uh, is right. important on that front end. Right. Yeah, and I think you, you maybe you've seen it as, as we have too, that sometimes when you actually walk the dog and do the assessment of, you know, what the best price performance is, sometimes you get some surprises in there in terms of, you know, what those platforms are. So I think it's important to, to be, you know, thoughtful as you look at, you know, um, you know, the cost and the performance that you need out of that particular workload. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I know we kind of talked about this before, but I, I just consider it a fascinating topic and that's the pace at which things are changing, at which organizations are, are now looking at uh, alternatives to their mainframe environment. I don't know about you, but 15 years ago, you know, we were talking to companies that were 200 MIPS or 500 MIPS. And today we're talking to organizations that are 300,000 MIPS who have a direction to look for different alternatives. Mm -hmm. For us, that pace is ever increasing. Are, are you seeing the same? We are. I mean, it, I think it's, um, it had been kind of a slow acceleration and I think now it's, it's really gaining a lot more momentum. The last couple of years, I think particularly has really driven the need for agility out of a lot of IT organizations, mm -hmm. um, which has kind of, kind of pushed a lot of, um, a lot of organizations into action in the last like year, year and a half or so. I just think the bar has been raised in terms of how IT needs to respond to the business and, and really being pressed to shift their focus from operational issues and operational oversight into value creation, right? So I think a lot of CIOs I talk to are getting hit by their boards and their leadership to, to, to really participate in, in the business of the business and less so in the operational stuff. So I think that's been a big shift for us and it is uh, you know, really accelerating. I certainly agree with that. Um, Chris, how, how important do you think it is to recognize that you know, some companies want to modernize on the mainframe and some companies want to move completely off. And then there's that middle ground where, you know, people are doing both. Um, that understanding of their environment, is that something that's very important to FNTS so that, you know, you recognize what is best for them? Yeah, it really is. And it's really kind of how we've kind of tailored our, our, our market strategy as a multi-cloud you know, provider um, because we do, we see it as a continuum, right? And we talk to clients that are, that are, are very mainframe centric of what have always been and, and maybe are looking to just identify a couple of, of um, uh, opportunistic workloads to move to public or private cloud, but otherwise really just kind of, you know, optimize what they're doing on the mainframe to the other end of the spectrum where folks are, are, are very um, driven to get off the mainframe entirely or get off their IC series power platform entirely and are really just driving to try and try and get those workloads you know, into a public or private cloud um, model, right? So, so we really kind of see it as a continuum, you know, across all those things um, to, to, to try and, you know, eliminate that skill risk that we're talking about, particularly in, in, in legacy technologies, but also, you know, for cloud engineering too now, um, you know, and, and just really try and, and look at it as a, um, you know, a staged approach of modernization, breaking it up into groups of workloads or ways, maybe over you know, a number of years. I, I love the way that you approach that to say that it doesn't have to be a, a one or nothing, that, that they're all unique and they're all going to have their own unique environments and criteria for success. 
And having the kind of ability to offer those options is critically important, I think, to, to the companies that we get to work with. I think another aspect too, Walter, is, is that um, many organizations, particularly mature organizations, <clears throat> they can really only absorb so much change from an organization <laughs> a business process standpoint over so much time, right? So they, they, need, they need to break that up to be able to digest and, 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 and be able to, to turn what they're doing into their future state model. Absolutely. Well, Chris, one thing I'd like to ask, and I hope this is an important question for our listeners, what, what are the benefits that you see that companies can expect from our partnership, Estadia and uh, FNTS? Yeah, no. So, I mean, you could probably tell we at FNTS are really excited about this partnership because it just made a ton of ton of sense for us. Um, you know, particularly as we engaged our clients and and asking them, you know, what's next? What do you, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, I just think together we're going to be able to give clients a, a a very complete modernization lifecycle from assessing their application options for transformation and building a transformation roadmap, modernization roadmap, to undertaking those app transformations through, you know, Stadia's tools and processes and your team, to our ability at FNTS to migrate and manage those future state workloads very cost-effectively, very securely on whatever cloud platform fits them best. Um, you know, we really just kind of see it as a, you know, a long-term business technology partnership between Stadia and FNTS and, you know, our clients that's going to create, you know, the, the kind of agility and cost effectiveness that, you know, those are the outcomes that, you know, our folks that we talk to in the, in the, in the field are looking for. Um, and that's been really well received to the folks that I've talked with. They're, they're really looking for that kind of holistic approach. Oh, we, we think so as well. And I love what you said about both business and technology. It has to be a success on both fronts, right? Uh, yeah. You can't just have a technical technical solution uh, and be assured that you're going to have a good business solution. So looking at it holistically, as you described, um, I know we at Estadia feel that this partnership helps us provide those customers the things that they need that let them continue to do what they've done with newer tools, but with the same assurances that they've always had. And that's why we're excited about this partnership. Great. Yeah. Cool. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And um, I hope that this has been very informative for our audience. I think that it most likely has been. Uh, and we're really looking forward to any questions that anyone in the audience might have. Please reach out to us. Uh, for us, you can reach at uh, www.estadia.com. And we will, uh, we will funnel any questions that need to be funneled on to Chris then. Chris, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Walter. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Everyone, I hope you have a great weekend. And please join us for our next podcast. Uh, keep a lookout uh, to see the ones that are coming up soon. Thank you all so much.